1: Hey everybody, this is Business of Design, I am Kimberly Seldon, your host, and uh, probably it's very likely that you and I have a job that is, if not the same thing, very similar. I am an interior designer, Uh, you might be a designer as well, or maybe you're a decorator, a stager, a stylist, an architect, a landscape designer, a professional organizer, you are welcome here, I'm glad not to be alone today. This is one of those episodes where you're going to have me all by myself, and I actually have no idea what I'm going to talk about in terms of specifics, but I do have something I want to talk about as a general idea. And uh, this is not at all unusual for me, by the way. I uh, like to keep things pretty spontaneous. Um, I had uh, a call uh, this month from a new client uh, wonderful, uh, lovely person, a uh, beautiful condo not far from my own home, which is kind of a bonus if you live in a city with a lot of tra- traffic like I do. And uh, when I got to the consultation, I could see that I would say about 80% of things were completely finished. I had a bit of a heads up about that because, of course, we do a thorough intake process. And uh, the client said what clients sometimes say. I was going to say often say, but really sometimes say. He said that they had worked with another designer who was lovely, but they needed to get things finished. And that's something that I've heard a lot in my career. And I'm sure I have also been that designer Uh, Particularly 15, 20 years ago, um, that designer who was lovely, who did her very best, and yet was not able to satisfy the client. So much not able to satisfy the client that the client felt the need to go out and find someone else to finish the job. No matter how you slice it, that's a fail for the first designer. Tragically, she may not even know that the clients have moved on and hired somebody else uh, because most people are lovely and kind. And don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So they will say something like, this is great. We're going to leave it right here. Everything is wonderful. Um, uh, Thank you so much. We'll definitely get you back later when we want to do a few more things. And so as that designer, you're left not really knowing that you've actually been fired in the kindest possible way, but nonetheless fired. I can say... In all honesty, that that really probably was my story for a good decade plus, um, where I got the project seventy or eighty percent finished, and then the clients would say something like, "What I just said, um, you're wonderful. We've loved working with you. It's amazing. We love everything you've done. We're just going to take a break." Or uh, even more terrifying, we're just going to finish it ourselves. You know, there's a bit of styling, there's artwork, uh, all those things that make it photography ready. We're just going to finish it ourselves. It took me years to figure out that that meant I was being fired. Uh, And I, I finally understood it when I realized I did not have repeat and referral customers. And once I realized that, that caused me a great deal of shame. I felt a lot of shame about that fact. Um, Of course, who would know that except for me? You know, I didn't go to parties and lead with that. It's not like people would look at me and think, oh, yeah, you can tell. She's the type that doesn't have repeat or referrals. Uh, I don't think I had anything like that printed on my head. And so I could be at an industry event, and I could fake it as well as anyone. But deep down inside, I truly felt like a failure uh, because of that fact that I didn't have those repeat and referral customers. I'm at this consultation uh, with this man, and he's, he's lovely, um, really, truly seems like a lovely person, and we're going to start working together. And this is a very small job for me. Um, it's only a few things, uh, that need to be completed. Uh, the artwork, for example, hanging on the wall is, is really not, um, satisfactory in any way to them, nor would it be to me. There is a sofa that is not very comfortable and was very expensive, which he wants to have remade. And, uh, then there are a few tasks which are challenging And to be honest, tasks that I don't really relish the thought of, but those tasks are left over because the other designer didn't get them done or did them poorly. Uh, And I'll give you an example. There is a built-in opposite the kitchen island that is uh, wood drawers with marble top. And it was custom made. uh, And the marble top wraps around the the beam that runs through the condo it's a big cylinder that runs through the condo so this marble top is curved and wraps around that Um, so not an inexpensive proposition and the unit looks nice you can sit on it which is great but there's a couple problems it's a bit short to sit on it's just a little bit short Um, so, you know, two inches taller, three inches taller would have been more comfortable for people to sit. That's not the biggest problem. The biggest problem is the client asked for some place to have a bar, which meant tall bottles of vodka and wine. And the unit that was built with a curve, with a curve on it, the marble top is too short, to hold the bottles of wine and the bottles of uh, alcohol. So currently, they are laying on their side in a really awkward manner. Um, and the client is completely distraught at having spent all this money and then not being able to store the very thing he asked to store. And I completely understand that. And then the other thing is, instead of being drawers that pull out, they are doors that flip down so to access this lower cabinetry you flip the door down it rests on the floor and that means you're on your knees as you're looking for things that are stored low which is great if you're 25 but I suspect this customer is uh, early 50s and is not exactly thrilled to have to crawl on the floor to access the things that are stored in this cabinet. So that's one of the tasks that are left over and I'm going to have to solve that problem for him. And then another task has to do with a strange niche, which was left behind as a result of this column, this round column being put, uh, not completely in the corner, but 28 inches to be exact into the room. So we have this 28-inch kind of square space uh, that looks odd and naked, and I've got to figure out how to deal with that. So as I say, it's not not a very big job for me, um, but... I'm going to take it on and I'm going to take it on gladly, A, because he seems like a really great guy uh, and the project is near my home, as I said. But B, uh, when we were talking, he said that he and his partner are looking for a home and ultimately they are going to rent this place out and he wants to do a big home. And he was hoping to work with the other designer because she was so nice, but there's no way they would hire her again. It got me thinking about this other designer, God, I would love to pick up the phone and tell her what's going on at this place and why that's such a big fail. Um, I'm not going to. I I don't know her. I don't know how well I would be received, Um, but I would appreciate it. I know I would appreciate it, even when I was younger, to have someone candidly tell me why they were frustrated enough to hire someone else. That is really important learning, and often we don't get that learning. It's held back from us. So that's one thing. I would love to call her and just put my arms around her and say, can we just talk about this? Because I, I really think there's a better way for you to run projects that's going to result in you getting to complete this guy's condo and then go on to do his house, which sounds like it's going to be amazing. It got me thinking about the fact that sometimes, oftentimes, we get really committed or locked into doing things the way we do them. Uh, I know that I can be guilty of that. I'm, I'm very, um, you, you might say stubborn, <laughs> I might say persistent, um, but I can kind of lock into doing things the way I do it, despite evidence that might allow me to see there's a better way to do it. Um, And part of that is because I'm optimistic. I wake up every day as a general rule, and I think I'm going to get this done, and I just go at it. Uh, Part of it is that when I was younger and didn't have the systems and procedures I have now... I couldn't take time to work on my business. I only had time to work in my business. I was so busy, I could barely breathe. And the idea that I was going to stop doing everything to look at procedures and inventory, the success or failure of those procedures uh, was just something I just could not do. I was committed to plowing ahead exactly the way I had been doing it, despite the fact that it really, truly wasn't working for me very well. So there it is. There's the topic for today. What is it that you're committed to, really committed to, that you're just not willing to look at changing? Are there procedures, or is there a certain way that you work that you want to keep exactly as it is, even if there is some evidence that it's not quite perfect? Um, And I'll talk about what that evidence might look like as we jump into the show. But there it is. There's my topic. What are you committed to keeping exactly as it is in your business right now? Let's have that conversation right after I have a conversation with the lovely Cheryl Horn.
0: Thanks, Kimberly. Uh, We actually have a really busy fall coming up. Our next group coaching session for premium members is on September 5th, and registration is open. And of course, our Palm Springs Retreat, which is sold out, but that's coming up in October. And while I get to head home after, you are off to Texas, where actually we've had so much interest from our members in Texas. We've got three meetups coming up. On October 25th, you're headed to Objets in Austin, and then the next day, you're doing both uh, Houston at Elizabeth Cole and Dallas at Global Views. And a little bonus for Houston, Veronica Solomon's going to be joining you there. So again, registration's open. Uh, You can register on the website and make sure you do register quick. We do have some limited numbers for some of these locations. Um, And then, of course, uh, for... 2019, which we're already planning for, you're headed to Australia to visit so many of our members that we have there. And that's coming up on March 22nd and 23rd, uh, 2019. And registration's open for that as well. So for any of these events, please head over to the website, businessofdesign.com. Make sure you sign up. And if you've got any questions on any of them, please feel free to email me, Cheryl, C-H-E-R-Y-L, at businessofdesign.com. Thanks so much.
2: Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Seldon. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate business challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, plus Kimberly Seldon as your mentor and guide. Unlike traditional coaching, which can take years to produce tangible results, BOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $67.50. Annual members save two months and have access to Kimberly's contracts. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too.
1: It that you're committed to. And I guess the next part of that question is, is it truly working for you? And sometimes that can be really challenging to answer because you're so busy working, working, working. I always like to give a shout out to Michael Gerber at Emeth for coining the phrase, working on your business rather than in your business. I am always surprised how many people reach out to us and say they want to be on the podcast to talk about that and uh, not acknowledge that that thought comes from a seminal book to the entrepreneurs, uh, which is the e-myth, the entrepreneurial myth. It's a very small book. I recommend the original Uh, It will take you a day to read it, and uh, if you're like me, it will cause your eyes to bug right out of your head, and it will light a fire. Um, I'm hoping that we're lighting a fire for some of you as well. So we're going to talk about what is it that you are committed to at present that may or may not be working for you. I'm going to give you an example of something I was completely committed to, and that has to do with log sheets. For many years, we kept... Um, good log sheets, and when a client wanted to see those log sheets, we would provide them to them. And what that looked like was uh, the following. We would invoice our clients at the end of a month, and then the phone would ring a week later or a few days later, and the client would say, oh my gosh, how on earth did we spend uh, $6,000 on design fees this month, Kimberly? This seems crazy to me. Well, I was so busy working on 59 other projects, as it is, and I would get this call, and immediately I would feel a couple of things. I would feel sick to my stomach. Oh, my God, I really... I'm so busy. Do we have to talk about this? This is crazy. We're doing your whole house. Of course, it amounted to $6,000 this month. So that's going through my head. The second thing that's going through my head is I'm kind of resentful. Like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. If I were a school teacher, would I have to go to the principal's office and justify what I did all week to get my salary? No, I would not. So of course, I didn't say Any of that to the customer. What I did instead is I would call them back and I would say, John, uh, we went to so and so's to meet about the new um, electrical plan and I sourced the fabrics for the family room and the TV room. And, uh, you know, I would kind of go through the list in my head of what I could remember. But of course, I couldn't remember everything. And then ultimately I would say, you know what, I'm just going to send you the log sheets and then you can see what we did. And then I would have to explain, listen, I'm not in the office today. I'm on a job site. Um, I will be able to do this over the weekend, and I'll get them to you on Monday. And what is the client thinking if I can't show them the log sheets immediately, right? What would any of us think if we already feel like we've been charged too much for something? Giving the client the benefit of the doubt for a minute Uh, because I'm a consumer myself, I could see how the client might start to think, oh, sure, she's going to take the weekend to fluff up the log sheets so they match the billables. And yet, I did it that way for many, many years. In fact, if you own a first edition copy of Business of Design Volume 1, you will see that we supplied log sheets to clients when they asked for them only. We didn't send them automatically. I learned over time that it was very important when I sent them out that I did that quickly. So over time, we learned that, oh, when they need the log sheets, we needed to be able to send them quickly, the faster, the better, same day. That forced us to clean up how we did the log sheets. We had to be really exact about it. We had to be ready to send them out at a moment's notice. And that was a lot of effort on our part, but it turned out to be a good thing. Fast forward years. I did it this way for years. And and by the way, uh, often when the client would question the invoices, I would cave on some of the fees. And I'd say, you know what, look, I don't want to argue about two hours, take it off, and we'll keep going. I was forced to look at how much money I left on the table year after year after year by taking a couple of hours off here and there. It's not a couple of hours here and there. It turned out it was more than $100,000 at the end of a year that I was throwing away by not being more clear about log sheets and what was on them. So we're not talking about a little thing here. We're talking about a very big thing. It took the business of design community to prod me Into experimenting with log sheets. Uh, I had been asked in several of the live events we did why I didn't just send them automatically. And I said, well, you know, I just I think that's gonna overwhelm clients. I don't think they want to see it. You know, then we would have to make sure they were written perfectly, yada yada, yada. After I had been asked that five, six, seven times, I realized, like, you know what, why don't you do that? Why are you so committed to sending the log sheets only if they ask? Why don't you just try it? that simple change in my business changed my life, literally changed my life. Clients stopped calling to say, how did we possibly spend $6,000 or $10,000 or $11,000? Or we had a bill this month that was $37,000. They stopped calling to say that because they knew how we arrived at those fees. Now, that didn't mean that they never said, oh my gosh, this is getting crazy. These hours are too high. But now we had something to look at while we were having that conversation. And the new conversation goes like this. I understand that it can feel overwhelming to get these bills when you're in the middle of a renovation project. I do, because I've renovated myself. If you look at the log sheets and you see any task that is inefficient, or unrequired, not required, we will remove that time from your bill. Otherwise, that's the bill. And then that's my opportunity to remind them that because I share all my discounts, a portion of my fees are underwritten. Now, we don't even think about log sheets. It's so second nature to all of us to write them in a certain way, to send them to the clients on a certain date and any one of my staff could have that conversation with a client about how did the fees get so high. Let's review the log sheets and we'll show you exactly how. There's a really good example of how I was harming myself by being committed to doing it the same old way rather than being willing to experiment with something slightly different and that meant that simple change meant I no longer dread the end of the month. I used to dread it. I I felt like I had an ulcer because I knew 50 or 60% of my clients were going to complain about the fees and I knew I was going to cave and take some off and it made me feel like a failure. I did not like how that felt but I didn't know how to stop it. This is how you stop it. You send the log sheets every month and then you only remove time if it looks inefficient or ineffective. Otherwise, it stands and that's how it is. So there's a really good example from my personal experience where being committed to something that wasn't working was harmful. By the way, if you have not yet taken the course, on log sheets. I strongly recommend it. We had a client who was a lawyer who taught us how to write log sheets effectively and uh, it, it is very simple to do and it is a game changer. So I strongly recommend if you are a paid member of Business of Design that you jump in there and take that course. Something else I was committed to was having the most clients possible. If my phone rang, if the client said yes, we took the job. I really felt like I had unlimited energy and unlimited time and unlimited resources to get things done. So we said yes. But there were times in my career when I had so many clients, I really was not able to service any of them well. I couldn't breathe. There were times when the overwhelm was so huge. I felt I couldn't breathe and I couldn't stop. We would put the kids in bed at night, my husband and I, and we called it the second shift. And I would work from 9, 9.30 PM. And by the way, I'm racing to get the kids in bed. You're tired, you're sleepy, read a story, read a story, go to bed, go to bed. And then I would start the second shift. And my husband would have to start the second shift as well. And I would work all through the night sometimes till 1 or 2 a.m. to get quote caught up. Of course, I never caught up. I never could catch up. No one could catch up. I didn't want to change the fact that I had a lot of customers. In fact, I wanted more. And the thought of turning away a customer, are you kidding me? Um, I would never have done that. I mean, what if this is the last customer who ever calls me, right? I would also say things to myself like, I'm building sweat equity. I'm young, I'm full of energy, I can handle this. And then another lie I would tell myself is, I'm going to get help. I'm going to get someone who can do everything I can do, and then we'll be able to take on more customers. That was a lie I told myself for many, many years. Of course, I never really had time to interview and secure the right help. Uh, but I would tell myself, as soon as I finish this Henderson job, I am going to find someone. Or as soon as the holidays come around, it'll be slower during the holidays, which is right away, like, ridiculous. It's never slower during the holidays. So then it would be right after the new year. Of course, right after the new year. But then, of course, so many jobs, so many deadlines passed And there was never the right time to stop and find help. So if I happened to bump into somebody who wanted a job and they were breathing, uh, I would say something like, can you start Monday? Come and we'll discuss it then. Uh, And invariably that person uh, turned into a glorified gopher and not someone who could help me manage and run projects. How do you even know if you have too many clients? When you're somebody like me who wants all the clients, how many clients do you want? All, all the clients, every client, right? How do you even know you have too many? Well, I would say a sure sign that you have too many clients is if you are constantly feeling overwhelmed and, and can't breathe. That's how I felt. Like I couldn't take a breath. Sick days? No, didn't have them. Couldn't afford to. Not going to happen. Another way to tell um, is your social life. Friends would say, Hey, let's get together and go for lunch. And I'd be like, Oh, yeah, crazy can't. Oh my gosh, so many projects, too busy to even tell you about it all. Let's talk about doing that over the holidays. And of course, the holidays are busier than ever. And before you know it, a year goes by and you haven't seen someone you love, someone who's dear to you, someone who you need to connect with for the health of your very soul. Uh, because you're too busy working, working, working. That was definitely a story for me. Another sure sign, existing clients would ask me if I could take on a bit more work. Could we add to the scope of work? So for example, a client might say, listen, I want to do the landscaping. I want to do patio furniture. I want to do the family room, whatever it is. And I would be so busy thinking there is no possible way I could add that right now, I would talk them out of it. You don't need to do the family room. I'll just throw a few new pillows in there, and uh, it's going to be great, and uh, we'll talk about it later. I would discourage them from having me do additional work. That is a very bad sign if you're doing stuff like that, and I was doing that a lot. Or how about this one? You're at a party, someone asks you for your card, and you're like, I can't give her my card. Like, I just can't take another single bit of work. So I'd mutter something like, I don't really have a card, just phone the office, which, of course, is definitely not the best way to get the right customers. So all of those, I think, are indications that you are perhaps working a bit too hard. And what I would tell myself is, I'm going to work smarter now. I'm not going to work harder. I'm going to work smarter. And I really thought I had the smarts to figure this game out. Well, I don't think I did. (laughs) I really don't think I did. I think I had to stop everything come to a near implosion and rebuild my business from the ground up. But but I don't want you to have to go that far. I want you to be able to take inventory of yourself right now, see how you're feeling, see if any of this is resonating with you. And if it is, let's take some steps to improve the things that aren't working right now today because today's the only day you have to take action. I lived for years under the delusion that I was going to take action tomorrow. As soon as I finish the Brady job, then I'm going to do that thing. As soon as I get through the holidays, then I'm going to do that thing. As soon as I find a staff member, we're going to be able to tackle that extra work. There is not only an ideal client for you, and an ideal project for you. But there is an ideal number of projects for you. I guarantee you there is an ideal number of projects for you and I would be willing to bet a lot of money it's not nearly as large a number as you think it is. When people would ask me how many jobs I want, I would literally say I want them all. If I had 30 jobs ongoing, I'd say I want 60. Because I know how to do the math now, I know that 14 jobs a year is the maximum I will take, and I can make a great living with less than 10. If you had said that to me 15 or 20 years ago, I would have laughed in your face. I absolutely knew that was not correct, but I promise you there is a way to do the math. If you haven't yet taken the course, Projects to Profits, I strongly recommend it. I don't recommend that you take any courses before you do the 15 steps in order, but as soon as you get through the 15 steps and those checklist series that go with those steps and you're feeling grounded, that Projects to Profits will change your life. You start by determining how much money you want to put in your pocket each year And then you're going to figure out how many small, medium, and large customers you need to hit that number. And you're going to do that using data you already have at your fingertips. Um, It's a little bit complicated, but the course walks you through it. And it's an exercise you can do annually. And it's an exercise that will change your life. So projects to profits. And I now know the goal is the fewest number of clients who can help me meet my financial goals, not the most number of clients because I know a lot of overwhelmed, busy designers who are broke. So I think this is an opportunity for all of us to be honest about where we're at. Am I making money sufficient to explain the amount of busy I have in my life? the amount of overwhelm I have in my life, the amount of liability I have in my life. And if truthfully the answer is no, just know that I didn't have the answers either. We will help you get the answers. And just because you don't know what the solution is doesn't mean there isn't a solution. There is a solution. You just haven't figured it out yet. A lot of them we figured out for you But we're discovering new things every day as well, thanks to all of you smart people in the business of design community. So, thank you for keeping me on my toes. How committed are you to keeping your hourly fee exactly as it is? I am always surprised uh, by how reluctant I am to change my fee. Um, No matter how long I'm in the business, no matter how efficient and effective we get, and no matter how many repeat and referral customers I have, I'm always nervous to raise my hourly rate. And our hourly rate is going up this year. Um, I have committed to that, and we'll be sending a letter out so it happens in the fall. I can't really explain this reluctance, except I know it's fear. And somebody wise once told me that fear stands for false evidence appearing real. And that false evidence would be that all of my clients are going to leave me, that it's going to be such a high number I'll never work again. And really I know that this isn't true, and I know not only personally for from all the times I've raised my fees But we have so many Business of Design members, so anecdotally, so many of them tell me the same thing. They were terrified, they raised their fees, and the only thing that happened is they got better customers, more customers, more confidence, and they had more money to do the work that they love to do because this is not sustainable if you're not truly making a living. And I don't mean just eking by. I mean truly making a living so that you are contributing to the financial health of your family unit, whatever it is, if it's you by yourself, or if it's you and a spouse or a partner uh, with or without children, you want to be able to be a productive member who's contributing to that team. And very often I meet designers who think of themselves as the second salary. And I would challenge you to set a goal, or an aspiration of being the first salary. Why wouldn't you step up and try to be the very first salary? I am surprised, though, how often I will suggest to someone that their fee should probably increase, and they will either out and out fight me on it. No, they can't because they don't know everything, or um, they're not ready, Or they'll say, yeah, you know, I know you're right, you're right. And a year later, two years later, three years later, I can check back in with that person and those fees have not come up. There's no fairy godmother who's going to tell you it's time to raise your fees. I am your fairy godmother. Ah, did you hear that? Yes, I am your fairy godmother. This is what she looks like. Sorry, folks. Uh, And I'm telling you, it is okay to make a living doing this difficult, complex, uh, but wonderful work. There are certainly harder ways to make a living, uh, but there are many, many easier ways to make a living as well. There are a few different ways you can raise your rates. You can determine a fixed date, as we have done, which is October 1st, 2018. And you can send a letter out three months in advance stating simply that your rates are going to increase and explain how they're going to increase. Um, But don't go into a long-winded explanation. Take a look at the next utilities bill that comes in the mail or your phone bill the next time there's an increase there and see how they word that. Typically it's very straightforward. It's not apologetic because these are profit generating companies as is your company by the way. Um, So a very brief uh, description of how it's going up and consumers, otherwise known as our clients, are fully aware that every year gas prices go up and the price of insurance goes up and the price of staffing goes up and the price of your associations goes up. And in fact, business of design membership has not gone up in a long time. So we will be also increasing business of design membership In 2019, rest assured, if you're a paid member right now, you are locked in at that rate. We will never increase your rate. We have some robust and supportive members who have been with us since we launched, and they have a very favorable rate, and we will honor that indefinitely. So uh, it's okay to go ahead and raise your rates. Another way you can do that is you can just raise your rate to the next client who calls. When they ask what your fee is, give them a different fee. Um, And there's a couple things that can happen here. Number one, that client could go, great, let's do this. And boom, you're feeling confident and you're feeling good. Another thing that can happen is you don't get that job. And you will want to tell yourself it's because of your fee. Now, it's possible it is because of your fee. And in that case, the customer who was not willing to pay, and I'm going to make up these numbers, 175 an hour, was probably not willing to pay 150 an hour. So they simply weren't your customer. Uh, But it's also just possible that your sales and intake practice isn't where it needs to be. So unless you're committed to that, it may be a good idea to look at that as well. I've mentioned some courses you might want to consider taking at businessofdesign.com, but I would be Remiss if I didn't say you absolutely should take the 15 steps first in order, and I would follow that up with the checklist series so you really get those 15 steps cemented. And then I would go ahead and tackle the charging for services category. So that's how do you charge, how do you bill, how do you collect? Really important information. And the last one I'll look at is a bit more of a broad one. I'm thinking something like, are you committed to working exactly the way you're working now? I was 100% committed to working exactly as I was working, despite the fact that I was not getting repeat and referral clients, despite the fact that I was not finishing jobs to the end and being allowed to photograph those jobs and put those jobs on my website and get those projects published. I honestly felt at the end of a day, or a week, or a month, or a year, if I was still alive and still breathing, then I could roll up my sleeves and do it again tomorrow, and somehow it would work out better. Uh, In the first book, Business of Design Volume 1, I think I talk about that uh, satisfaction by luck. How many times did I rely on luck to save us? Oh my gosh, we were so lucky that worked out. Eventually luck runs out. And so I think it's important to create a business that delivers satisfaction by design. That's what we call it a Business of Design, satisfaction by design. In other words, there's no luck involved. We know what we're doing. We're running projects from beginning to end from step 1 to step 15 in a systematic, linear fashion that's not chaotic. And that's really something to be able to say that in an industry that is truly, truly chaotic. That doesn't mean things don't go wrong. Of course they do. This week, uh, we had a huge mirror, probably 12 feet wide by four feet tall and we put two sconces on that mirror so we had holes cut out for the mirror it was beautiful and when the electrician put those sconces on he tightened it just a little bit too much and boom there went the mirror it cracked things go wrong that's okay when everything is running smoothly clients will accept the fact that there's a lot of moving parts and occasionally through human error something goes wrong That is not to take the responsibility off me for making sure I've done everything I can to make sure the business is running smoothly and clients see something that looks organized and looks efficient. I think I said this earlier in the episode that one of the things that pained me a lot was not having repeat and referral clients. And I meet designers who have a ton of repeat and referral clients, they tell me, but they have no money. And I wonder how is that possible? Are you committed to being super, super busy uh, because you are the least expensive designer in town? um, Or are you committed to creating a thriving career that you can be really proud of? I know for me, um, my commitment changed as I got older and I realized I didn't have an unlimited amount of time. Uh, If you're 22 and you're listening, I promise you one day you'll realize you don't have an unlimited amount of time and I hope you will step up right now and take it seriously and create a business that soars beyond your wildest dreams. That's what I wish for every single one of us. See how I got myself wound up about this topic? It's amazing. I wasn't uh, sure at all what I was going to talk about when I turned the recorder on. Um, But I want to mention as well that there were so many lies or delusions I was committed to. For example, I was extremely committed to telling everybody that balance was important to me, uh, that I needed to make sure to have time for a massage, to get my nails done, to get my hair done, to go to my yoga class. But the truth is, the minute work got overwhelming, which it was all the time, those other things got canceled. Over and over and over again. And I remember so clearly thinking, I'm going to be serious about massage. I'm going to go once a month, no matter what. And I remember one day racing, racing to my appointment for a massage at my chiropractor's office. And uh, I couldn't find a parking spot and I was really panicked and just you know how you get like just crazy and I felt like my heart was going to beat out of my chest and then I went running up to his office running through the door sorry I'm late I'll throw off my clothes I throw myself down on the table now I'm sweating and I'm breathing heavily and I think this is not exactly how you want to begin a massage you know <laughs> not exactly so I stopped going for a massage Right. I stopped going for massage. And yet for many, many years, I would say I was completely, of course, I was committed to balance. Absolutely. I was going to I was committed to balance. And as soon as I finished the Smith project, boy, I'm really going to get serious about my yoga classes. The truth is today is it. This is it. Today is the day where you can make changes that will allow you to live in between work to live outside of the experience of being the interior design professional that you are. Working Monday to Friday, 9 to 5.30, I thought was a pipe dream. Not possible. It was certainly not the experience that any of my designer friends were having uh, at all. Um, They might have said that they work Monday to Friday, 9 to 5.30. I didn't even say that. But I knew they were working in the evenings and they were working on weekends because when we'd go for that occasional drink, I would hear all about it, right? Right. Or charging for all of your hours, right? Because we're not selling our time, we're selling our expertise. I was for years committed to charging for all of my expertise in increments of time and yet when it came time to log those hours I was sloppy about it or I didn't do it or I left it f- for a few days and I forgot and I told myself "Oh, it doesn't matter I'm busy enough this month it's going to be great the truth of the matter is we can say we're committed to something and yet our actions show a different story And I think if I want to be my best authentic self, I want to commit to something, and then I want my actions to follow that commitment. And I think most of us would agree that's the best way to be happy and fulfilled in life, right? I remember distinctly telling my husband, you know what, next year I am going to take two weeks off. First of all, next year, of course, always next year. Next year, I am going to take two weeks off. And my husband turned around and said, honey, I would settle for one day of the weekend. I don't think it even occurred to me that I worked both days of the weekend, week after week after week after week, and yet he noticed it and commented on it. So... Let's all think about what we're committed to and then let's look for evidence that either points to the fact that in fact we are committed to that or tells a different story. And let's have the courage to start talking about it. Maybe you don't know what to do today. Maybe you don't have the solution, but at least you can start talking about it. You can be vulnerable with those other design professionals in your community. Certainly, uh, the business of design is the place where you can talk about things like that. The Facebook page uh, is a really generous and giving community of serious interior design professionals. And I think those conversations are always welcome you're always welcome, too. And I appreciate the support. The work that I do, I think, is very hard, but it's also very satisfying. And having you guys there on uh, my team uh, helps so much every single day. You have no idea. So thank you for your love and support. Uh, and thank you for listening to Business of Design.
2: Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community. If you love what we do, please show your support by subscribing to the podcast and rating our efforts. Remember, you can be a part of the podcast by sharing your comments, ideas, and questions via the BOD hotline at 416-780-9187, extension 107, or by sending an MP3 file to info at businessofdesign.com. And when you're ready to transform your business and your life, sign up for a monthly or annual membership. Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today. Start today.